Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved grace to you and peace from God our Maker and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Learning to say thank you is one of the early tasks of childhood. Please and thank you are considered the twin pillars of good manners, the magic words as we refer to them. So from the time our young ones learn to speak, they are prompted by eager parents and grandparents and preschool teachers to politely express gratitude. What do you say? As a parent, I can say that this continues well into teenage years as well. <laughs> Expressing thanks takes on new layers as we enter adulthood. There is quite a spirited debate going on right now among etiquette people whether it's okay after one receives a gift to send a, a polite email or text or Facebook post instead of the traditional thank you card. People are very opinionated on the subject. And as you might suspect, those opinions divide along generational lines. It's true that manners evolve over time. It's also true that saying thank you, however you do it, never goes out of style. But what if expressing gratitude were more than a matter of good manners, of proper etiquette? What if saying thank you is connected to our overall health, and well-being. This is the question I see in our gospel text today, the story of Jesus and the ten men with leprosy. It's a familiar story, one that we teach to our children. Jesus encounters this diseased band of brothers on the outskirts of a village. 
They draw near to him, but not too near. They call him by name. They beg him for mercy. I don't know how they know him, maybe by reputation. But hearing their cries and seeing their leprous skin, Jesus instructs them to go and see the priests. This is a little odd because according to the law, you would go to the priests after you were cured. The priests would declare you clean, fit to return home. But Jesus tells them to go, and with hearts full of hope, they set off down the road. At some point along the way, their disease is cleansed. The story doesn't provide this next detail, but I assume that they went on toward the priests, just as Jesus told them to, except for one. One stopped in his tracks. He recognized the gift he had received, so he circles back, falls at Jesus' feet, and showers him with thanksgiving. In doing so, this one receives a double blessing. Jesus tells him, your faith has made you well. It's an interesting phrase. The word here is sozo, saved. Your faith has saved you. To be saved is more than to be cleansed or cured. There is a holistic sense to this word. Body and spirit and relationships restored, made well, made whole. All ten of the men were cured. The one who gave thanks to Jesus for that gracious gift was also made well. There's a powerful connection between thanking God and being well, a connection that is at the heart of faith. Commenting on this passage, Luther wrote, Love gives, faith receives, and offers thanks. The Samaritan is a role model of this kind of faith. He is looked down upon by his neighbors, thought to be unclean from birth as a Samaritan. And yet, when he receives the gift of cleansing, he immediately knows that there is something more important to do than find a priest. He is willing even to disobey Jesus, to disobey the law in order to return and to offer thanks. I wonder why it is that he has this level of understanding. Maybe as a Samaritan he had his doubts that he would find a priest who would declare him clean even without leprosy. Maybe as a double other, one with leprosy and a Samaritan, he knew that his only hope for being restored was the grace and mercy of God. Have you noticed in these stories that it is so often the people with nothing to lose who are the most open to relationship with Jesus? Jesus inquires about the other nine, and when we read this story so often, his voice is kind of a scolding voice. Shame on those others. They are so ungrateful. They have bad manners. But I don't hear it that way. I don't think that it is Jesus' desire to be thanked that motivates his concern for the other nine. 
I think he desires that all of them experience the grace upon grace that gratitude offers, the fullness of well-being that comes from receiving the gift and thanking the giver. It is this well-being that Christ desires for us. He invites us into a life of thanksgiving, a Eucharistic life. That's the word here for thanksgiving, for what the leper does, Eucharist. We hear the word thanksgiving a lot. We'll hear it more as we enter the month of November and our country prepares to celebrate. And I see this word gratitude all over the place right now. The concept of gratitude is really having a moment. It's trending online. It's on the cover of magazines. And that's good. It can't hurt. But the Eucharistic life to which Christ calls us is actually quite countercultural. We are asked to look at the world through a particular lens, to see it as the gift of a creative and loving God, to see our relationships, our work, our play, creation itself as a place where God meets us, loves us, provides for us, heals us, and calls us. The Eucharistic life requires us to surrender the stubborn belief that we deserve all that we have, that we have earned every good thing that comes to us. It challenges us to live both with humility and boldness. Like the men in the text, we humbly recognize our need. We know that without divine help, we are lost. So we boldly approach Christ with empty hands, trusting his healing and mercy. And we give thanks in this Eucharistic life, it is our duty and delight that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to God. And like the Samaritan, in the thanking and in the praising, we are made well. There's a poem that has been rolling around my head all week as I've studied this text. It came to mind because of the text, but also because Yesterday, we laid to rest the oldest member of our congregation, Genevieve Hedman. We gathered here to give thanks to God for her nearly 102 years of life, a life that was filled with giving thanks to God. I've shared this poem before, but I think it's particularly fitting as it descri describes the Eucharistic life to which we are called. So I share it again. It is written by Gerhard Frost, and it is called Talk for Alt. She was not quite 97 when she died. One who waited at her side heard her say it. Talk for Alt. Thank you for everything. It was her homegoing word to God. Like a good guest, she addressed her host. She spoke as one well-taught, well taught by life, by memory and expectation. To be gift conscious is to be wise. To know whom to thank is grace indeed. To know the gift and to love the giver, to have learned life's dearest lesson 
is to be rich toward God. Thanks be to God. Amen.